So today I want to talk about a particular shear, and the shear that I want to share with you is uh, Tehillim 119.54, which basically states a posuk that David sang, 119.54. Hoyu li chukecha bebeit megurai zemirot. What's going on is Psalm 119 goes through from Aleph to Toph. It's an acrostic. And every letter has three verses. So when it came to Zion, Zion started as follows. Zemiros. Your chukecho, whatever chok means to David Amelach, it means different things to different people. But let's say it's your statutes or your teachings or your Torah. Zemiros, they were like for me a song. Anything wrong with that? I don't think so. It's a beautiful extolling of to what extent David appreciates God's chokim in the house of my pilgrimage. The Beit Megurai, in the house of my pilgrimage, obviously meaning the Beit Amikdash, which he had basically instructed on, that the Zemiros, there was, I would say in, in colloquial English, your teaching was like a song to me. It was like a song to me. Now, the American historian Cyrus Gordon, who died in 2001, uh, wrote, our contemporaries have split the atom, reached the moon, and brought color TV to the common man. He didn't write about the internet yet, because I guess it wasn't. The ancients were no less talented than today's people, but they often expressed their intelligence in different ways. They manipulated language so deftly that it often takes a modern scholar a long time to grasp the presence, let alone the subtleties, of ancient riddles. And one poignant example of such ancient nuance in language is the existence in Hebrew of two terms for music, for song, shira and zimra, shir and zemer. Now, they are synonymous. But if we explore the differences between this pair of synonyms, we'll become attuned to the intricacies of biblical Hebrew language. The simplest way of differentiating shira and zimra is that shira is verbal song. Oz Yoshia Moshe es hashira hazos. We don't have the song. I mean, we sing it to a certain trop, but that doesn't mean we know the musical original. It was clearly a song, es hashira hazos, but what we were transmitted was the words of the song. Zimra refers to instrumental music. Zemiros hoyachukecho, when David says in Psalm 119.54, your Torah was like music, I think it doesn't mean that your Torah was a shear, because that is the Torah. The Torah is a shear, fine. But it, it was like music to my ears, like an instrumental, like an orchestral piece to my mind. 
Now, this understanding is supported by the Ibn Ezra, the Radak, the Sforno, and even the Grah. In fact, the Yiddish word klezmer, roughly meaning Jewish music, is an actually a portmanteau of clay, kli, instruments, and zemer, music. Klezmer, kli, zemer. The Malbim explains that zimra is somehow a higher, more intense form of song than shira. We say that poetry is heightened prose. Well, then Shira has a level, but Zimra is a heightened form of song than Shira. He always writes that this is why whenever the two terms appear in tandem, Shira is always first and Zemer is always second. Uh, where would we see that? We see that in the Tehillim. In the Tehillim, it says sometimes mizmor shir and sometimes shir mizmor. Why is that? Now the Ibn Ezra says there's no difference between the two. Mizmor and shir are both uh, equal. But Rav Shlomo Pappenheim explains that when they're used side by side, the terms mizmor and shir assume specific technical meanings. The shir, as we said, denotes the lyrics of a song. Mizmer shir liyom ha-shabbos. Mizmer denotes the tune and the melody of the song. Based on this, Rav Pappenheim explains that within a specific song, sometimes the word begin with it before the tune, and sometimes the tune is played before the words. An interesting latter-day uh, interpretation of when they're put side to side. Okay, now I want to present to you the most extraordinary piece of Gemara. And this comes from a Gemara in Sota. Now, Alan and I, over Shvurs, were learning this huge uh, ma'amar of the Alter Rebbe from uh, the Drush on Shvurs in the end of Vayikra. And so he alerted us uh, to the fact of this very enigmatic Gemara. Rava taught, it's a Gemara in Soita 35. Rava taught, why was David Amelech punished with Uzzah's death? Okay, first of all, let's go back and see what, what Uzzah's death is all about. So David is in what we call Telstone uh, today, Kiryat Ye'arim, so it's just outside Jerusalem. And the, Aaron, the, the Ark has been there for a while, but now he feels he has conquered Jerusalem from the Philistines, and so he thinks it's time to bring the Aron HaKodesh, the Ark, which has been in Kiryat Yarim, in the house of Abinadav. Kiryat Yarim is very hilly, as you know, from Telstone. Vayarkivu et Aaron Elohim. So they set on their way to bring it to Jerusalem on on a new cart, presumably because we didn't want anything that may have touched Tumah, and we wanted the Aaron on a new cart. And they brought it out, that was on the hill. And so the boys... Noah Gim et Agala Hadasha. They drive the new cart, so there are oxen 
pulling the cart, the Oron is on it, the two sons are driving the cart, probably whacking the oxen and driving it in the right direction. So they so they they bring it out of the house of Avinadav, Asher Begiva, a repetition of the first Pasuk, Im Aron Ha'elokim, with the Ark of God. The whole purpose of this Pasuk, which is totally repetitive, is to stress the fact that it was Ahio that went before the Oron. Now, remember, later on, David is going to bring it much later on, because, in fact, something terrible happens and it doesn't get to Jerusalem. And he's dancing before the Aaron, and Michal will criticize him for dancing. It's not pasnish for, for a king to do that. But here, much earlier on, David, Bekol B'nai Beis Yisrael, Mesachakim Lefnei Hashem, are playing instruments before God, Bekol Atzei Berosim, Instruments made of cypress wood and with harps, ubikinoro to benervalim, a whole orchestra, ubatupim, ubananane, ubatil salim, with timbrels and sister and cymbals. Okay. Vayovo adgorin nachon. They come to the threshing floor of nachon and something tragic happens. Vayishlach uzo el aron ho elohim. Uzo sees that one of the oxen are stumbling and so the Aaron is slipping off the wagon and he runs up to put forth his hand to stop it from falling by Yochazbo and he grabs hold of the Aaron. He shot the oxen were stumbling. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error by Yomos Shomani died there in our own Elohim. What was the error? Well, we're told different things touching the Aaron. And then David is very upset. Okay. So now let's go back to the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah says, Rava taught, for what reason was David punished with Uzzah's death? Now you would expect him to say some sin, some this, some that. No. He was punished because he called the matters of Torah songs. As it says, well, our Posuk, as we had quoted, Zemiros Chukecho, because he said, Zemiros Chukecho, Hoyuli, Zemiros Hoyuli Chukecho, Babet Gurai. Your statues were my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I mean, there's another reason that's glaring as we'll see in the Gemara, why he, why he was punished. So the question I have is, why, why did you have to add this? What service does it help? What's the reason? If you set, set your eyes on it, upon it, Proverbs, it's already gone, meaning it's fleeting. You have to grab it. You have to steig. You have to study it until it goes into your memory. It's not something fleeting like a song. You have the gall to call Torah songs? Zimra? Not even Shira. Shira, I can understand. Hazinu, Ozyoshia, at least there's a text there. But you're calling it Zimra? 
an instrumental piece of music? You're reducing Torah to mere Zimra? Hareini machshilcha bedova she'afilu tinoko shabes rabban yodinoso. Wow, what a put down. I am gonna make you stumble. I will make you forget something that even little kinderlech in the Weitz the Cheder know by heart. As it says in Bamidba, Uvalei Kahos Lo Natan Ki Avodos HaKodesh. The Bnei Kahat didn't have to do all the work in the Beis Hamikdash. Why? Because they had the sole responsibility of carrying the Ark Berketefav on their shoulders. Ki Avodos HaKodesh. The Ihu Isayyab Agalta. And you made a stupid error and you put it on a wagon. You should have got a bunch of Levim and put it on their shoulders. Why didn't you? Because you forgot. I made you forget. And I made you forget because you reduced Torah to a Zimra, to a mere instrumental piece. It's a stunning piece of Gemara. Fifth century. What are you talking? You're taking the Pashtuses that Uzzah touched the Aron. Whether David knew it was right or wrong. Then the rabbis say, well, you know why he died? Not because he touched the Aron. Well, anyone who saw Raiders of the Lost Ark saw how powerful the Aron was. It shot out bolts of lightning. The Pashtas is he touched it, and therefore God was upset. The drush is, well, how could he have touched it? Because it was an Anagala. Why is it an Anagala? It should have been on the, on the Levim's shoulders. Then comes the Gemara and Kvetches out of this, a totally irrelevant piece of criticism that's a real put-down of Dodd of Amelech, because if you look in Psalm 119, it's just extolling God. I just love the Torah. It's like music to my ears. It's a metaphor. And you took it literally and say, yeah, you think Torah is just a, an instrumental piece? Really? I'm going to make you forget that, Torah. Not only that, I'm going to make you forget that which kids in the Weizner know when they're five years old, that the Levim, and they make pictures and bring home to their parents of the Levim carrying the Oron on their shoulders. You understand that when Alan and I were reading this, it just, it just, I was struggling with this all over Shavuos. David is punished for singing. David is punished for an instrumental work or calling Torah an instrumental work. Okay, so let's dig deeper and let's try and understand what this means. So we go to the Mepharashim and uh, if I can share with you firstly the, the Mepharashim that, that struggle with this. The Rashi, of course, says David made a mistake about something that even children at their Rebbe school know about because the sacred work was incumbent upon them that they had to carry it on their shoulders. Okay. And because David said, your statutes were like songs for me, he was punished to come to this and to have Uzzah die through his hand. Therefore, when they brought the ark from the house of Oved, they brought it by shoulder because in Divri HaYomim it says, when they finally took it from Ove to Yerushalayim much later, he said, you, the heads of households of the Levites, you and your brother, sanctify yourselves, bring up the ark, because the first time you did not. It says that in Divrei Ayomim. Okay. 
the Mitsuda stuff, it says, He says that all the places, taking it hyper-literally, all the places that I was a, a fugitive. How did I survive when I was a fugitive? He puts the two together. He gives it a respectful twist. Shear is a text, Zemer is an instrument. So he adds, not Zemiros Hoyuli, but Shear Vezemru Hoyuli. I love it. Meaning that kept me going. They were like music to my ears. The Torah kept me going. It gave me sustenance and hope. Okay. So let's now share with you the Chsam Sofa, an interesting Chsam Sofa. By the way, by the way, not always is David Amelech criticized for using that word. There is a Medrash in Shia Shirim that praises Zimra and compares Torah to the Zimra. There are other places in, in Medrash that do that. So this isn't unique. This is the, it's quite not unique. Now let's look at the Chsam Sofer. The Chsam Sofer is actually writing on this parish in Gittin, 60. Okay. Soita, David Amelech Nedash Al Sheama Zemiras Hoyulichu Kecha, Babet Mugurai. And now the Chsam Sofer tells us, I know, I also have a problem with this. And the Heilige Chsam Sofer says, Afal Gav de Chola Toira the whole Torah, especially the Natsiv, is very meduyak in Oz Yoshir Moshe. It's a beautiful Natsiv in which he says the whole Torah is an Ashir. Hazinu Shoshamayim. I want you to put this song of Hazinu into the children's mouth to remind them when things go awry that I promised you that if you do it well, fine. If you don't, you won't. So the Natsiv says on Hazinu that the whole of the Torah is Ashir, not just Hazinu. So the Chsam Sofer says, even though the entire Torah is considered an instrumental piece or a sacred text of song, there's a difference. David HaMelech says, they were Zemiros. So don't mix up Zimra with Shira. Ki Shira Shira is not the instrumental part. Ela ma'amar o katuv masudar kashura vashura habinyan. Al derech she'amru kola Shira's levino, levino al gav levino. So Shira, Zimra is almost like instrumental, freewheeling. I am uh, just like jazz, improvising, right? But it's a mama or katuv masuda. It's like a sheet music. It is musical sheet work. It's a language of Zimra. It's the language of Zimra, of musical notes, like the musical scale, brick upon brick. And it's the shape of music because Levena Tachas Levena is the way, and we've talked about this, the Sofer writes the Sefer Torah. The regular way is brick upon brick. Then sometimes it's brick, space, brick. And sometimes it's brick, space, brick, space, brick, space. Like some 
bricks that are done on the side of a house to adorn it with spaces in between. And it's the shape of the, the, the shira that counts because it points to a certain type of music. So we sing Oz Yoshia different to our Zenu. Okay. Shehu Sidu Bashuras Abinyan. It's like the bricklayers' uh, lines. Vachshav Nohagula Seda Becharuzin Ayudim. Now we are accustomed to do it in lines like we know the sofa does it. Vahanavim Hoyulahem Sidu Ashelona Dalonu. Levim had their own way of writing uh, music, which was not known to us. Although there's a story of the Culliver Rebbe, that the Culliver Rebbe was in the Carpathian Mountains, and he would listen to the flute of the shepherds. And he was so taken with it, he claimed that they had taken it from the Levim. And so he would give a kopeck every time he heard a different tune and he'd give it to the shepherd and the shepherd would forget it and he would bring it back to the base medrash. So the Kalava Nigunim and the most famous one is Solo Kokosh Moy. Solo Kokosh Moy. Haya Haya the Kalava Hasidim and the Munkacha Hasidim sing that by Shalashudas. It's the holiest time of Shabbos. And they sing that because of the Rebbe who, now actually on NPR, there was one guy who, a reporter, who went to the Carpathian Mountains and taped the songs of the Carpathian Shepherds. And if you go to NPR or YouTube, just look it up. And one of the songs is Solo Kokosh Moy. I freaked out. They didn't forget it. <laughs> he bribed them, but they didn't forget it. They still had the song. I think that's what he means. We don't have the songs of the Levium. Mikomokum Shirahu Hasidur. The Shira is a order, it's musicology, it has rules to it. Hanerach Be'erach Yadua. There's a whole history of the tradition. There's Baroque, there's Romantic. It's musicology, it has a science to it. And only afterwards does the orchestra come, take the sheet music, and play it. Remember, in the time of Sam Soifer, we already had classical music, and he must have heard it. He must have heard music coming from the churches in Presburg. And we see in the Torah that there are definitely songs, and we know it because of the way they are structured. Ukadoma Nikrashir. Now that's called Shira. It's a heightened form of music with its formal structure. And therefore it's appropriate to call the whole of Torah Shira. Okay. So if it's the Chamishos for him, then we can say it's a Shira. But if it's just one isolated Sefer, one scroll, that's not appropriate to call it Shira because there's a balance between it all. There's a musical balance.
Now we get to our question, why on earth was David HaMelech punished? Why did the Gemara say to go through this entanglement and this dray cop all the way around to explain why he forgot the halacha of carrying the Oron? David HaMelech nenesh al she'ama zmiras hoya lichu kecho bebeit megurai. Oh my gosh, he used the wrong terminology. He said Zimra instead of Shira. He was punished for reducing Torah to a mere instrumental improvisation. Instead of being the formal structure that has a musical analysis attached to it. Dazzling, dazzling. The Chidushe of the Chsam Sofer. Now I want to take you to what Alan and I were learning. And that is sharing with you a very dense Torah from the Alter Rebbe that we learned in Likuti Torah. But I'm going to just share with you a few lines uh, from the Kuntras Achron from the Tanya, the very last collection of essays. This is essay number six at the back of the Tanya which encapsulated four pages of Lakute Torah that took us, how long, Alan? About four sessions to wade through it. Ki Torah nitna bebechines ponem He's going to end up explaining why David was punished. Now we're going deeper into a kind of mystical explanation. Ha-Torah nitna bebechines ponem now, you know that everything in life, the spheros and the Torah represented by the spheros, is given from the external and the internal. Ponim is ponim ponim. that's seeing the pnimius. So everyone at Harsinai spoke to God ponim ponim, and later on when Miriam and Aaron are criticizing, uh, God says, lo keinavdi, no, my servant, ponim ponim. we speak each other like a man and his friend. Ponim beponim means the panemius. You're seeing, you can't see God, but you see the panemius of what he's saying. Ponim. And ocha means the externals. Front and back. Because it says the flying scroll of Zechariah was written, ponim ocha, meaning, according to Chazal, on both sides you could see it. Okay. What was David's mistake? He grabbed Torah from the Achorayim, meaning from the externals. He didn't go to the Panemius. How does, why? Well, we'll see in a minute. Now the Alter Rebbe, in a dazzling interpretation that no one else mentioned, he was punished meter connected meter. But what's the meter of What's the meter of forgetfulness, senility? Why were you punished by a thought block where you didn't realize the halacha that you shouldn't put it on a wagon and you should carry it on the shoulders of the Levites? In what way is that a, 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 a meter connected meter? He was punished with a thought block. Because the Arizal says that anytime you have a thought block, and I'm getting many more of them, my Torah is becoming more and more acharaim, because it's something that's external to you, so it comes right off. 
It's not something you struggled with that you'll remember. Something that you said in passing, you'll easily forget. So he momentarily forgot the halacha. Because, and what halacha? The Aaron priesthood should carry the Aaron on their shoulders. He forgot the halacha. But he forgot the halacha because that's the punishment in kind. What's the punishment in kind? Remember, it has to go on their shoulders. What's the shoulders? It's a joint that you can actually put together. Like by abducting your shoulders, you can actually bring the scapula together. Which means what? The bechina of acharaim. The shoulders are the acharaim. They're behind you. And the point was... Your job is to put the external, connect it to the internal, the ponim and the ochor, the external and the internal. And you settled for the externals, something that's fleeting. So I'm going to punish you with the external, which is a thought block. Now, why do I know that the aron is an external? Oh, dazzling. The luchos are inside the oron. The outside of the oron is just the external. You can't settle for that. So what was his sin? You settled for the externalities of halacha. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the misnagdim. You settle for the behavioral, the externals the manifestations of Torah in public, the steiging in Torah. But you didn't go into the panemius, the inner work, which is what? The luchos of the Oron. And what is the characteristics of the inside of the Oron? That the luchos could be seen on either side as engraved all the way through. So it says, Anochi, Aleph, Nun, Chof, Yud, on one side. Normally, if I turn it round and it's hewn through, I would see Yud, Nun, Chof, Aleph. You didn't. There was a miracle. And there was a miracle because every way you looked at it, it was Ponim. The Aron represented the Pnimius of Torah, uh, the externals of Torah that contained within it the Pnimius of Torah. And how do I know it was the Pnimius? because they were hewn right through, and the miracle was each way you saw them, there was no ponim and ochre. It was ponim all the way through. And because you settled for the externalities of the Aron, and you didn't go into the panemius, you are being punished with settling for the external, which means you will have that thought block, which comes from just a mere surface understanding of Torah, and not allowing it to impregnate you and struggle with it on the inside. And yesterday, Yehuda will remember that we also learned from the Moray Naim, and the Moray Naim I will end up with, because I think he takes it even to a more radical level, although the rabbi didn't agree with me. And let's just learn that, and then we'll end. The Moray Naim says something very interesting, which goes along with the Alter Rebbe, which goes along with my theory that the Morinaim is Chabad light, because he does in two paragraphs what took Alan and I three days of steiging. And he says that Torah 
requires Yagia Rabba. It requires to internalize Torah and to struggle with Torah on the inside requires much toil. So we have Rochel and we have Leah. Leah besod Yagia Samachshaba. It is the toil of struggling with the head to internalize the externalities of the oro and come to the pnimius of the luchos. So what is happening is that we are being invited into the paradigm of Leah and Rachel as two archetypes of approaching Torah. And Yaakov is sitting between the two. <laughs> so Leah is the secret, the mystery of Yegiyas Hamachshava. And you can, you need that letake namidos to fix your character defects. So the Torah is a spiritual pathway that allows me the opportunity to use it to fix. It's a spiritual recovery program to fix my character defects and to lahofcham bebechines atomid amurabisol. Veleya mishlosho nila. Wow. What a pun. Leia comes from, if I take the nifal of Leia and make it into a verb, not a proper noun, it means the word weary, fatigue, exhausted. Shehi ayefut v'yigia. A notion of exhaustion because of toil at the end of the day. And now he comes to the spiritual program that he is asking of us. Ukasher Adam ose kain. If a person is able to go inside the Oron, inside himself, right? We are all an Oron, and we all have an Ashama, which is our Luchos or our heart, our Luchos Libecha, on the Luchos of your heart, and you're able to fix the resentments and fix the addictions and fix all the schmutz that's in there and fix everything, right? Through this toil, it's not easy, he says. Recovery is hard. You get a gift from what Rav Nachman calls the treasury of unearned gifts. And Rachmonus, which I consider grace, grace comes down. So Yaakov is strong between Rachel and Leah. If Yaakov can face Leah, then he is able to do that inner work. Leia isn't Leia, Leia is the approach. Yaakov is in each of us. So if we in the meter of Yaakov can face Leia, and remember Leia sees that she's hated. No one wants to do that kind of work. Leia ain't Rakos, her, her eyes were filled and dim because of tears of crying. I don't want to go to Esau. I don't want to be taken by the other side. Who wants to do that kind of inner work? Likute Torah of Reb Nossin says that that is tefillah. Leia is tefillah and Rochel is Torah. No one wants to do that inner work. But if you do it, then mamshichol of Rachmonus. Grace descends upon you. Ki posach rachamim midas The opening of rachamim, which is Tiferes, is Jacob. V'lochein nikra alma diskasia. Now he says Rochel and Leia are two paradigms. Outer, inner, hidden, revealed. Oron Luchos. Leia is Alma Discasio. It's the world of the hidden. She's hidden. 
inside. Because within the Gashmius of Midos are supernally Midos, and they've been dragged down into the blotter, into the Gashmius. And you've got to go into the blotter and to fix and to refine and to redo and metakain. And that requires lots of toil. And the only way you can do that is with that luchos, which is das, which is God consciousness. It requires God consciousness, an opening to something divine, something transcendent to realize when I look inside that I'm not a schizophrenic, I am a neshama, an akhaimimal that's put in me, and that the Gashmias and the Nefesh Bahamis has to be refined. I need it to survive. I need it to do my Avodah Hashem. It just needs refining. And requiring Das gives me that opening, that sensitivity to realize what I have to do. And now, on the other hand, her sister, Yesh Alma Disgalia, there is the revealed world. Remember, that Rachel was Yefas Toab, Yefas Mares. She was beautiful. The Yaakov Ahavis Rachel. <laughs> she is the externalities. She's the Oron. She is everything that I can do and get away with. And I've done my share. I've done my Dafyomi. I've done my shockling. I've done all the externals. And I think, look at me, look at me. Beautiful, right? Absolutely dazzling. So Leah is buried in the hidden recesses of Machpelah. Machpelah is the cave upon a cave. It's Kaful. And when they opened up Hebron in 67, before the Arabs got to them, the archaeologists saw one cave on top of another. So she's buried in a cave within a cave. She's hidden in the recesses of our souls. But Rachel, oh, Alma Diskalia, where is she buried? But Proshas Hadrachim. It says, and I message when Jacob is confessing to Joseph why he had to bury her, not in the Maratach Pelah. In Pashas Miket, he says, Mesa Allah Rachel. She died on me on the way, and she was buried. But Proshas Hadrachim, Bethlehem is where the road splits. Proshas Hadrachim, he says, what is the Prashas Adrachim? Bechinas based Rachim. Tovara. That's all the externals. I gave Stocker. I didn't kick out the Meshulach. I did this. Everyone can see what I'm doing. That's very Alma Discalia. That's very overt. It's outward. It's the way I'm perceived by the public. That's Rachel. The Leah Nikbra Bamara Alma Discalia. So then he then adds to end up with, the last few lines, which is the punchline, that David Amelech in Psalm 69 says, can you please show me my kitsi, my end, when I'm going to die? The end of my days, show me. I'm desperate. Remember, 69 is very early on in Psalms. The Baruchumim and Shal, he's on the chase, he's on the run, and he's just desperate and he's giving up. And at least I'll know then what my end will be. Just tell me. I can't take it anymore. Now, look what the Mori 9 does with that. This is the litmus test, my friends. This is a very high bar that he's creating for us. 
This is the revolution of Hasidus. It raises the stakes. You can't just get away with the externals anymore after reading this stuff. He calls the Then what is it? So psychological. He's from, he was a Bekasher, he shockles, he does the Dafyomi, he goes to every single minion and he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, look at me, Zakai. Remember when you get to the next world, they'll tell you if you're Chiyuv or Zakai, whether you, I'm, I'm okay, I merit, I'm worthy. Vakiyam Akol, who's he talking to? He's talking to the people around him. He doesn't think there's any lack. There's no sense of existential dread of any spiritual crisis going on in him. And now he says the following, I want to give you a litmus test of how you know that you're on the spiritual path because you ain't started yet. You're still like David Amelech, Zemiros Hoyu Chukili. Your chukim were like songs, like an improvised song. It's all external. I'm behaving very good. I'm Zakai. And he's punished for that because he didn't look inside the Oron into the luchos of his heart. But now that you start to go inside, Kol Mashen Nichnas Yoiser Margish Yoiser Hesrono. Wow. Sounds like Kafka. The degree to which I start digging into the schmutz, going into that dark cave, the heart of darkness inside, never mind the external behavior. The degree to which I go, how will I know I'm succeeding? is the degree to which margish I feel even more lacking. So that Sadiq tells, Noemeli Melech tells us all the time, is constantly looking at himself as worse than any other human being. That's the only sign that you are an Eved Hashem. When you look in that mirror and go, I'm waking up today. Remember, the Yid HaKadosh was called the Yid because every day he worked up, woke up and looked in the mirror and said, Ich bin a Goy. I have to be Megayer. I have to start the whole process again. I have to first become Jewish and then I have to accept Torah. And he didn't get to Shacharis till 1 p.m. in the afternoon. He was famous. That's why he was called the Heilige Yid. He was Megayer. He converted every single day. Why? That's the litmus test if you are a believer and you are a worshiper and you're on the spiritual path. Now you want to know what Dvekas is? It's not the way we talk about it. Oh yeah, I'm attached, I'm attached. Yeah, I love it. You know, it's the distance. Dvekas means the paradoxical distance between me and the Rabboni Shalom, like Reb Nachman talks about in the story of the song, the heart and the spring. The moment they come slightly close together, the spring goes out of view and the sun doesn't shine its rays. So they're stuck in this constant sense of longing. 
Margish Yoise Chisorin Bavoyzusa, Yoise Dovok Hashem. My dvekas to the Abishter is my sense of inadequacy getting worse and worse and worse as my avoidus Hashem improves. V'zeh mevor b'mokam okay? And that's what, uh, that's what, what David HaMelech is saying. Eidah, das, give me that God consciousness. Me'chodel oni. Chodel meaning here, not when is the, my end or what's my flaw, but what am I lacking? Show me ma'ani. Be the mirror to me, Rabboni Shloilam, to show me what I'm lacking because I understand that the degree to which I lack is the degree to which I really grasp that you are divine, I am human, and I'm in that constant tension, that paradox. Have a wonderful week, and we should be able to sing Shir Chadash, that we'll get out of all these problems, and that there'll be a Shir Chadash, there'll be a new song, the Song of Geula.